Mark chapter 1, verse number 35. And in the morning, rising up at a great while before day, he went out, departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Please be seated. Please keep your Bibles. Turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you a big favor. Please join us in the Bible study challenge. In fact, I, I want to beg because this could really make a difference in our church, here, our congregation, in our community. Please consider being part of the Bible study challenge by March of next year. Lord willing, we're going to know over 500 key events. That's 151 key events from the Old Testament. That's eight key events between the Testaments. And that's 351 key events from the New Testament. So please join us in the Bible study challenge. Now, if you are journaling with us, writing down your notes, writing down the keys, you're probably running out of ink by now. Guess what? I've got more pens. I bought more pens. They're going to be up here in the front in a yellow envelope. Just come up and grab one after the uh, service is over and uh, you'll have a new pen. Also, a few people have commented that they have trouble sometimes hearing the lessons. Well, I've taken care of you on that too. I have bought uh, four headphones that will plug into most phones or most tablets and that way it will concentrate the audio into your ears. So if you need one, I have one left. I've given out three, and I've got one left. Please see me after service, and I'll be glad to, uh, to give you that. I want to help you. I want to do everything I can do. I want to do everything I can do to encourage you, to motivate you, to be a part of the Bible study challenge. Today is the day. Today's the day. This is the deadline to sign up for Lads to Leaders for next year. Now, I believe Lads to Leaders is the greatest tool we have in our brotherhood to help train our young people to be future leaders. Please grab one of those forms out in the foyer. If you have a child, a grandchild, fill it out. Get it over to Nikki. Give it over to Lori. And let's get you signed up. Let's get that child signed up for Lads to Leaders. Now, finally, hey, we want to kick off next year the right way. This year has been a down year. We want to make 2021 a much better year. And we're going to kick it off right with the 40 days for eternal life. For the first 40 days, January 1 through February the 9th, Billy and I will be kick-starting your day each day at 6 o'clock with about a two or three minute short devotional message to get your day going. You can watch it live, you can watch it later, whatever, but hey, Join us for the 40 days for eternal life. I believe it will be great. I'm looking forward to it so very much. Now, last week, we started a new sermon series, the book of Mark. 
I call it, I call it, follow, follow Jesus immediately. Now, why would I call it that? Because when we find the, when we look at the word immediately, of the 82 times that word is found in our Bible, 35, 35 of those 82 times, it appears in the book of Mark. For example, for example, Mark chapter 1, if you can't see it there on the screen, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Mark is challenging us. He wants us to make a decision. He wants you to make a decision about Jesus. He wants you to have faith. He wants you to have a faith that would motivate you to decide, yes, I will follow Jesus. We're going to be in the book of Mark for quite some time. It's going to be a long journey, but I believe it's going to be a great journey. A few years ago, an older man, age 75, named Vladimir, living in Berlin, Germany, came up with a kind of an odd approach in bringing peace to his family. The man was using an old World War II air raid siren to stun his wife into submission. Can you believe that? What he did is he took the siren, he mounted it on a pole just outside their living room window. And as he said, quoting him, he said, my wife never lets me get a word in edgeways. So when she starts nagging, I just crank up the siren, let it rip for a couple of minutes, and it works every time. Afterwards, it's real quiet at my house. Does that work, really? You know, some think that the way to be heard is to be loud. You know, politicians often are loud. But does that really work? I would say no. If not, and I believe it doesn't really work, then what does work for us to gain the right to be heard? Because we have a lot of people in our world that we want them to listen to us. We've got family. We've got friends who are not Christians. They're not a Christian. We want them to hear about Jesus. We want them to come to know our Lord. We want them to obey our Lord. But how do we do that? How can any of us, how can any of us gain any real influence in our home and in the community? How do we get the authority? You know, people of authority, you listen to them. You take notice. How do we get the authority to be heard and respected by those around us? I think we have to take a, a cue from Jesus himself. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And they went to Capernaum. Capernaum became kind of their hub, kind of their home base, where they operated out of Galilee there. 
They came to Capernaum and immediately, circle that word, you know, that's another time it's used right here. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished. Circle that word, astonished. I'll come back to that word in, in just a moment. And they were astonished at, at his teaching, for he taught them. He's different. He taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Jesus was different. He had authority. He wanted to listen to him. Unlike their other teachers, like the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus has authority over people. Jesus spoke in a way that just grabbed your attention, your undivided attention. In fact, his words struck people with power. Their own teachers, their own teachers of the law quoted authorities all the time. You know, they would quote this authority and that authority. But Jesus, Jesus was his own authority. And his words had the power to evoke decisions. So when he went to Matthew at the tax collector's table and said, follow me, Matthew followed. When, when Peter and Andrew and James and John were out there in the boats fishing and Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, they followed immediately. See, Jesus had that authority. The people were amazed at this. Let's read on. And immediately, oh, that's that word again. And immediately, there was a man in their synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, Jesus of Nazareth, destroy us. You know, the unclean spirit is trying to intimidate Jesus. When you try to intimidate Jesus, you're going to lose. He says, have you come to intimidate us? You know, we're many, you're just one. We're many, you're just one. They're going to lose. Doesn't matter how many demons were there. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. He uses his human name, Jesus, from the city of Nazareth. He says, you're, he uses his divine name. You're the Holy One of God. Once again, trying to intimidate Jesus. Jesus won't let that happen. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent. Hey, be silent. Stop. Shut up right there. Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. What's the people's reaction? What's the people's reaction? And they were all amazed. Now, at first they were astonished. This word amazed, the Greek word, goes beyond just astonishment. You have to couple it with respect, with fear, with awe. This Jesus guy, he's different. And they were all amazed. 
So that they question among themselves, saying, oh, what is this? They're scratching their heads. What is this? A new teaching with authority? You know, it had been over 400 years since God had sent a message to the people. And now we've got a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Wow. That's authority. We need that kind of authority. We, we, we want to reach our family. We want to reach our friends. But how do we get that kind of authority? Well, hang on. I'm going to get to that in just a moment, okay? Hang on. Because we can get just a little bit of this in our lives. But wait for just a moment. I'll get to that in just a moment. But notice what happens. Verse 28, and at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding regions of Galilee. The news is out. People are hearing about it. You know, Jesus, Jesus didn't come to make us feel comfortable. He came to shake us out of our own world into his. He wants us to be different. If Jesus makes you feel comfortable with your life and how it's going, then he's not Jesus. Because when we look at our lives, we understand, hey, I don't, I don't measure up. I need to do something about my life. I need to put Jesus into my life. I need to be different. You know, I'm going to challenge you. As Mark challenges us to follow Jesus immediately, I challenge you to take the time to listen to Jesus and see what he does to your world. Jesus has authority over people. And like we just read, he has authority over demons as well. We're talking about the spiritual world. Jesus has authority even over the spiritual world. The people were amazed. Wow, this is so different. Jesus has all authority. Lock, stock, and barrel. He has all authority. He has authority over people. He has authority over demons. And he has authority over disease. Oh, that's a big one this year, isn't it? Because we have lived this year in somewhat of a fear. Our world has been living in fear. What we need is not more politicians, not more government action, we need more Jesus is what we need. We need more Jesus in our lives. Jesus has authority over disease. He has power over all kinds of sickness. Even illness must flee when Jesus commands it. Verse 29. And immediately, circle that word immediately, once again, he left the synagogue 
He entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, we would assume that this is the, uh, the family home of Peter and Andrew. Now, Simon's mother-in-law, in other words, Peter was married. He had a mother-in-law. Lay ill with a fever. And immediately, circle immediately, they told him about her. What did he do? Did he sit down and say, well, I'll get to her eventually. You know, maybe an hour or two. You know, maybe when I feel like it. That's not our Lord. That's not Jesus. He came. He took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons and the whole city was gathered together at the door. Everybody's gathered around Peter and Andrew's family home. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. You see, Jesus is the master of his timeline and, and he's got a mission. His mission is to train those apostles to take his gospel to the world. So he's got to get those guys trained. So he says, you be quiet. Don't talk to those demons. And they have to obey. Jesus has authority over disease. Jesus generally cared. He really, truly, honestly cared for people. The word for heal there in verse 34. The word for heal is from the Greek word therapuo. It's where we get our word therapeutic. It means to care in such a way to bring healing and restoration. You know, the great physician is so different from human physicians. You go see the doctor. Here's what happens usually. You go into a little exam room. And if you're fortunate, he'll come in and, what, spend two, three, maybe five minutes with you. He may grunt out a couple of questions and, you know, then he's got to go. Because why? He's busy. He's got a lot of people to see. We have to understand that. Now, we want the cure, and our human doctors can give us the cures, and they can give us the prescriptions or whatever we need. But also, we really would like to have the loving touch, too. You see, what we see and what we'd like to see is cure and change. But what we often don't see is loving care, it's that participation in the pain, the solidarity in the suffering. Remember when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus cried. Why did he cry? Was it because he knew all was lost? Was it because he knew he couldn't do anything about it? Was it because, well, Lazarus is dead and my friend's dead and I'm never going to see him again? Well, no. <clears throat> Jesus knew what he was going to do. He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why was he crying? Because people around him were crying. Solidarity 
in suffering, the sharing in the experience of brokenness. Cure without care is as dehumanizing as a gift given with a cold heart. Jesus truly cared for those people there at Peter and Andrew's house. And Jesus cares for us today. Do we? Do we just want to dispense answers without participating in our family and friends' problems and pain? Do we end up offering the cure without the love? You, you see, real healing, real healing comes when we not only dispense the cure of the gospel, but we also care for people the way Jesus cared for them. Peter's house, Peter's house became a, a place of healing for the whole city. The Lord met the need in Peter's home, healing of his mother-in-law, and then he used that home to meet the needs of others. Other words, has God blessed you? Yeah, he has. He expects us to use our blessings to bless others. He blesses us so that we can bless others. You know, modern medicine is great, and I appreciate my doctors so much. We have some wonderful, fantastic doctors here in Garland County. Medical, the medical profession is first and foremost here. But I'm here to tell you, modern medicine doesn't have the real answer for what we need in our world. What our world needs is Jesus. When Jesus heals us of our sins, when he heals us of our broken hearts, our hurts, our hangups, our habits, Jesus wants us to use, he wants to use us to bring healing to others. But how do we do that? How do we get our family and friends to listen to us? Well, I'm almost ready to tell you the secret. It's coming up. Before we do that, let me ask you another favor. Let me ask you to take Jesus home with you today. And watch what he does for you and through your family. I'm going to ask you to really get involved in that Bible study challenge and really come to know God's word the way that you've never known it before. Now for Jesus, Jesus himself, Jesus himself, he has all the authority because he's God the Son. He has authority over people, he has authority over demons, and he has authority over disease. But how, how do we get a little bit of that? To use it on our family and our friends. Well, here it comes. Here's your answer. Verse 35. Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. 
Why in the world is Jesus praying? He's God the Son. Why is he praying? In fact, why do you, when you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, why is it you just have to turn just a few pages and you see Jesus praying? Because that's our source of power. You see, God the Son purposely put himself in dependence, in dependence, not independence, but in dependence on God the Father while here on earth. So he could model what you and I should be doing. You see, real power, real power comes in the solidary place of prayer. You want to be heard? Get quiet. Get quiet. In contrast to the guy in Germany with the air raid siren, don't try to blast your way. Don't try to, to make them, force them. Don't take a horse to water and make him try to drink. But first, what do you do? You don't do that. You spend time in prayer. You spend time in prayer. Real authority comes from time spent with God. Real influence with our family and friends comes when we take the time to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. You've been hearing me say, give me five the last month. That's five brief video classes a week. That's five minutes a day. Let me add one more. Give me five. Today, take a piece of paper and write down the names of five family members, five friends, whatever it might be, family members or friends, but give me five names of people that you know who are not Christians, that you come in contact with on a regular basis. Put that piece of paper, slap it right there on that refrigerator door. Billy, why do I want you to put it on your refrigerator door? It's because we go there often. You know, that's the one place in our house that we're going to go to on a, on a regular basis. We're going to open up that refrigerator, get something out of it. You're going to see that piece of paper every day, multiple times a day. Hopefully that will cause you to pray about those people. Pray about those people. And then do what? Model Christianity 24-7. What have you heard me say on every class? At the very end, it is our hope, it is our wish, it is our prayer that each one of us live for Jesus 24-7. May God bless. Do it. Pray first, then model Christianity in front of those people. And see what happens. Jesus felt the need to pray. He's God the Son. He still felt the need to pray. He is modeling what you and I must do. Jesus chose to live a model life so we can model ourselves after his model life. Now, will we reach that perfection? No, we're human but we're going to shoot for it. We're going to try our best.
Jesus prayed. Mark chapter 1, verse 12. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Mark chapter 6, verse 32. I could go on and on and on. What's the common ingredient? It's a desolate place. It's a solitary place. He's off by himself, away from the world, so that he can pray. Peter, verse 36. And Simon Peter and those who are with him search for him. They look around. Jesus is not here. Where is Jesus? They found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Kind of an accusation. You know, why, why did you leave us? Jesus said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. You know, Jesus didn't come to be popular. He's got the popularity there, but he didn't come to be popular. He came what? To preach the good news of the kingdom, to train those men to take that good news to the world, to accomplish his purpose. To accomplish his purpose, Jesus himself needed his private time of prayer. How much more? How much more do we need that private time of prayer? Away from the pressure to be popular, away from the spotlight, away from the problems of this world. You know, it's not about you and me, it's about God. How do we plug into that power source? It's through study and prayer. The Bible study challenge can help us on the study part. You're going to have to take the initiative about the prayer part. Private prayer time gave Jesus perspective. Pray about those five names. Pray that somehow God will use you in a way to impact them, to influence them. Look at verse 39. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and casting out demons. Before we go into our world, into our community, we must spend time with the Lord seeking His direction. A few years ago, some scientists did a, um, a very unique experiment. A researcher found that given a certain large amount of amphetamines to a mouse, the mouse would die in a few minutes. But then he found out that if he took a large group of mice, you know, a dozen, 20, 30, whatever, those same mice would still die, but all he had to do was give them a fraction of the dose. Why? Because those mice would be so hyper and so hopped up on, on the amphetamines that they would be bouncing around and, and they would just... They would just kind of agitate each other and they would then die. In fact, he found out that he could take a mouse that had no amphetamines at all, put it in a group of mice that had just a little bit of amphetamines, and even the mouse that had no amphetamines, that mouse would die too. Because the mice around him were all just hyper and bent up and, you know, frantic. Now, you would think that only mice would be so foolish 
to hang out with other mice that were so hopped up, so frantically pursuing mindless activity for no discernible purpose that they would end up putting their own lives at risk. But guess what, friends? You and I do the same thing. The sad fact is that we as human beings, we do it too all the time. We get so involved in our world, our lives, our things we got to do, our schedules. That's why we must withdraw on a regular basis and spend some time in a solitary place of prayer. Then, and only then, instead of letting the world influence us with its frantic pace, mindless activity, we can begin to influence the world around us. My friends, if we want to follow Jesus and have a little taste of that authority, we must really connect to God in prayer. This morning, are you a Christian? That's a simple question. Are you a Christian? Have you done the simple steps of becoming a Christian by believing in him, by repenting, by confessing, by being baptized? That puts you into Jesus. Most of us here have done that. Those on our online audience, have you done that? If not, we want to help you to do exactly that. Those of us who have put our faith in God and have obeyed the words of Jesus, as a Christian, sometimes we don't live a life that's reflecting of Jesus at all. Sometimes we live a life that is very un-Christ-like. We can seek his forgiveness and he will forgive, 1 John 1, 9. The church here stands ready to pray with you and for you. James 5, 16. If you have a need, a need to respond this morning, we pray that you'll do so as we stand and sing for your encouragement.